0: I think most of you folks know me. I'm Paul Bergeron, the white-haired guy running around the church here every Sunday. But uh, as I was ready to teach my Sunday school class this morning. Someone came and touched me on the shoulder and said, uh, The pastor is sick. Will you preach? Well, I didn't have time at 9 o'clock this morning when the service is ready to start to run home and get a, a sermon out of my old sermon barrel. So... What am I going to do? I sat there and I thought, Lord, what is it? You know, it's like the fellow that said every Sunday, I and the Lord knew what I was going to preach about. But right now, only the Lord knows. (laughs) (laughs) But when I thought I was to speak this morning, there was a new book that came out not so long ago. It was called Running with the Giants. Now, I don't know what that book's all about whether they were talking about the giants in the political world, whether the giants in the financial world, or whether the giants in the educational world. But I thought, I could run with the giants. And I turned to Hebrews chapter 11, and there we find God's who's who. And there you begin to read all about those great names, you know, that were running for God. And you come down to about the... About the 32nd verse, I believe, in Hebrews 11. And it says, And time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Baruch and Samson. And he goes on. And I thought, why don't I pick one of those characters? Now, the dear people up in the booth didn't have time to put it on the PowerPoint. So, you're going to have to take the Bible when you get home today. And you read... Judges chapter 6. I'd like to pick the great hero, Gideon. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Give you three words that you can pitch your mental tense. And then this week, think about it. If I could make an outline, I would take the life of Gideon, and I would put three C's. There were the cowards, and there were the compromisers, and there was the consecrated or the committed. Now, can you just think of, though? let me set the stage. In Hebrew, or Judges chapter 6, in fact, the first two or three chapters of Judges, you'll discover that the Midianites, a ruthless people, nomads, about two million of them, that were moving across the country. They'd move into this little territory and they would capture the people. They would take the spoils. They would take the young girls, uh, as playthings, so to speak. They would take the elderly and kill them. And then they would move on and they'd go into this little group. They'd do the same thing. They bounced around like a ball in a pinball machine. And Israel was right in the middle of all of this. And Israel would plant their crops. They would dig their wells. They would prepare for the harvest. And just when the harvest was ready to be harvested, here come the Midianites. And they would take all the spoil. They'd fill up the wells. They would take the little girls. And for their playthings, they would kill the little children or the elderly. And then they'd move on. For seven years, this happened to Israel. And as those people would leave. Israel would come back. They would build their fortresses again, plant their crops, dig their wells. Next year, they'd come and lose it all. Seven years, they would build and lose. Build and lose. They were down people. They were discouraged. Why start over again? In fact, as Gideon, a little farm kid, in the midst of all of this, during the darkness of the night, he would sneak out and slither in the shadows into his own fields and steal his own grain. slip back. And during the daylight, he would hide down in a winepress, thrash out the grain so the family would eat. And one night as he was slithering through the shadows of the rocks, the angel of the Lord tapped him on the shoulder. And it said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor." And I've sat at my desk at times and I thought, what did Gideon think? Gideon stared to death, called a man, a man of valor. And I wonder if he didn't look around, is there somebody else in here with me? But no, he was alone. And he said, the angel God said, Gideon, God wants you to take the people of Israel and to conquer the Midianites. Me, Lord? I'm a nobody. Our family is the least in our tribe. And I'm the least in my family. I'm the runt of the litter. I'm nobody, God. But God says, I will be with you. Well, Gideon obeyed. And he went out. And then he went back to his home. He said, God, what do you want me to do? And God said, Gideon, I want you to gather yourself an army and come back before me. Now, I don't know whether Gideon was a nobody or not. To him, he was. But Gideon had a charisma. And he moved out into his people. And he gathered together 32,000 soldiers. And he brought these soldiers before God. And he said, here we are. Now, God, what do you want us to do? And God said, Gideon... Too many soldiers. What? The median knights are in the millions. 32,000? No, listen, Gideon. You tell these men, you who are fearful and afraid, you go on home. And so Gideon did. And they begin to file out. 22,000 left. There Gideon stood with only 10,000 men. And God said, Gideon, there are still too few. What? How can we go out with 10,000 men? Well, Gideon, the cowards are gone. If I could stop and make a little application. My dear people, as you walk with Christ, have you been a coward? You know, we come together on a Sunday morning and we sing the great songs of the church. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. Take my life and let it be. Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. But then we move out on Monday morning. And it comes noon hour. And we run across to the restaurant or the fast foods and get us a sandwich. Do we stop in the front of everybody and thank God? Are we a coward? It reminds me I was in... Chicago. I went to the Moody Bible Institute for one of their conferences, and just across the street from the institute was a little restaurant, a little family restaurant. And uh, at noon hour, I, being alone, I just ran across the street, and as I came into this little restaurant, it was quite a unique setting. It was like in a horseshoe when you came in. The booths were all around the side like that, and then in the middle there were some tables. The place was packed. As I came in, the, the waitress said, you know, we're so full, but there was one table right down at the end there. Is that okay? I said, sure. I like to people watch. So I could have my lunch and I could watch the people. So I sat down. Right over to my right, there was this uh, booth that was right on that curve. And so there were c- more people could sit in there. And in that little place, there was about six or seven elderly ladies And they were having lunch together, and they were visiting, chatting. They were having a great time. And I sat there and watched them as they were just having that great fellowship together. The waitress came, and with her pad, she said, can I take your order? And the lady right on the end, she looked up. And she looked at this waitress and said, oh, my dear, you look so tired. Have you been on time for some time she said no I just came to work and you're so tired why well she said we have a quite a family at home and and uh, uh I've had to do all the work and the washing and the ironing and everything and and I guess I'm just maybe tired and she said well do you, do you have many children she said Yes, 17 And this lady on the end said, 17? And right away this waitress said, well, I don't mean they're all mine. He said, you see, here in Chicago there were so many children and young people without a home. And my husband and I thought if we both worked, we could kind of help raise some of these boys and girls. So we have 17 of them in our home. So it takes a lot of work and a lot of money to feed them. This little lady on the end, when she heard that, she looked up and she said, Do you know I'm adopted? And right away, this waitress just beamed. And she said, No. And this lady said, Do you want me to tell you about it? Yeah. And so she was sitting here and she went like that. And she pushed these ladies right around the bend. And she sat down and she said, Sit down. And so the waitress sat down. And this dear lady, now my ears got like elephant ears. And I was wondering what she was going to say. And then I heard her say, you know, one day God adopted me into his family. And I became a child of God. And I sat there and listened to this elderly lady give a simple testimony of how she came to know Christ as Savior and walking with him. And this dear lady, this waitress, just sat there and ate it up. And I said to her, and I thought, here is an elderly lady. She's not a coward. In front of everybody, I've been adopted into the family of God. But here is Gideon's army. 22,000, afraid. So they left and went home. Now 10,000. And God said too many, Gideon, this is what I want you to do. Bring them down to the waterfront. And you watch them as they drink. And as they kneel down to drink, those who kneel down and lift the water like a dog, you put them over here. And those who take their hand and bring the water up and they'll watch, you put them over here. And so Gideon watched. And there were 9,700 of them. They left it like a dog. And God said, let them go home. The 300 you keep. Gideon said, God, how can we go against the army of the Midianites with 300 people? But God said, Gideon, just take the orders. they are people that are committed, are consecrated, they're yielded. Well, what shall we do? Well, you tell these dear people, take a pitcher like you pour water. Put a lamp in the pitcher. Light the lamp. And you take these 300 and you circle at night the army of the Midianites. And then you wait for the signal. And when we blow the whistle or blow the horn, you break the pitchers and the light will flash. Gideon obeyed. Those 10, 300 soldiers took that pitcher, took the lamp, and they circled. And as soon as that Horn was blown. They broke their pitcher. The light shined forth. And the Midianites awoke. And they said, we're surrounded. Run for your lives. And God gave a victory. I call these your people committed. Now, I'm not afraid to use that word. Because Adrian Rogers, one of my, could I say, heroes, in the preaching field. I loved to hear Adrian preach. And he was pastor at that time in the First Baptist Church in Merritt Island, Florida. And he was telling one day about going over to Romania and to visit in the mission field there. And he said as he went to Romania, the one that met him was to be his interpreter. His name was Jose. And Jose was a giant in the field of Christianity in Romania. He had been taken and put into the prison, and he had been tortured. He had gone through so much, but now he's a free man. And he met Adrian at the plane, and, and he introduced himself, and they became acquainted. And Adrian said that one day, as they were driving along, he said, I turned to Jose, and, and he said, Jose, tell me, what do you think about the American Christian? And Jose turned to Adrian and said, You don't want me to talk about that. But Adrian said, Yes, I would like to know what you think about the American Christian. Jose waited for a little bit and then he said, Let me tell you this. I think in America you have taken a word and you've substituted another, and it's taken away the meaning. Well, what do you mean? Well, he said, you Americans always are talking about being committed, committed to the Lord, committed to this. He said, you know, it used to be you were surrendered to the Lord. He said, Adrian, when you use the word commit, that means you're in charge. You can commit, but you're still in charge. But if you surrender, you're no longer in charge. And the American Christian are talking about being committed to the Lord, but they're still in charge. Adrian, we need to be surrendered. And when Adrian came back and told us the story, I thought, that's something that is happening in our world. Are we committed or are we surrendered? And here is Gideon's army, and they're being Going smaller and smaller. But here are 300. Not just committed. They are surrendered. Lord, what do you want me to do? And so they went with their pitchers and their lamps. And when that bugle blew, they broke it. And the Midianites ran for their lives. God gave a victory because of obedience. Now let me bring it down on the bottom shelf. You and I, believers in Christ... Maybe we have known the Lord for many years, or maybe just new believers. Are we committed or are we surrendered? Have we taken our hands off and said, Lord, here am I. Lock, stock, and barrel. What do you want me to do? And I think I could just wrap it up in one story that my girls like me to tell. And I think I've told you folks many years ago. And if I have, you've forgotten it. If you haven't, it's new. But it was a little boy that when he was just a little, little, tiny thing, something happened. He became blind. And as he was growing up, he walked around as a blind little boy. He couldn't play with the others. He couldn't do a lot of things because of his blindness. His parents, just middle-class people, they'd spent everything they had and doctors to see if they could find what was wrong with this little boy's eyes. But they, nothing could be done now they had spent it all but they believed in the Lord every Sunday morning their mother with that little boy would come into their little church there on the corner and they'd walk down the side aisle and they'd sit right down here over on the left one day a new doctor coming out of medical school came into the community and the first Sunday he went to church as he came in and because of his medical experience, he saw that mother and that little boy, and he thought, I, that little boy walks like he's blind. The next Sunday, the same thing. And the next Sunday, then the doctor went over to the pastor after the service and said, would you tell me, is that little boy blind? Yes. And then the, do- the pastor told him that they'd spent everything they had to see why that little boy went blind. The doctor waited for that mother to leave, and she he met her out in the vestibule, and he walked over, introduced himself, and she said, Yes, I, I've heard about you moving here into our community. And he said, Would you bring that little boy down? Would you let me examine his eyes to see if I can do something to make him see? And she said, Sir, I would love to, but we don't have it. We'll spent it all. We can't afford to bring it to your office. He said, if you'll bring him to the office and let me examine him, I won't charge you. The people in my home church, in that little community where I came, helped me through medical school. This way I can pay them back if I can help a little boy. The next morning, she brought that little boy to his office. And he examined the boy, taking much time. And finally he sat down at his desk and he began to write some things and picture. And he showed it to the mother and he said, you know, if I could do this, I think that little boy could see. Would you let me have surgery on his eyes? And she said, I can't. We don't have anything. And I can't pay for it. He said, if you'll let me, I won't charge you. I'll make arrangements at the hospital. They will not charge. Let us see if we can make that little boy see Permission was granted. Appointments were made. In the morning that they brought that little boy to the hospital, he came with his little teddy bear. That was his security. That little teddy bear was with him everywhere he went. He slept with it. It was dirty. It was ragged. The side was broken and the sawdust was coming out. One eye was gone. And, but it was his security. And he brought that little teddy bear with him to the hospital. And when they took him to the room, the mother said to the nurse, At night, if you just give him his teddy bear, he'll be okay. That's his security. So every night, the nurse gave him that little teddy bear. He'd put it under his arm there, and then he would drop off to sleep. The next morning, after some more examination, they prepared him for surgery. So, the next day they were going in for surgery, and the mother was there, and oh, she was praying, and somehow that little boy would see, and the surgery was was prepared and, and done and and the surgeon then came to the, the mother and said, "I think, I think we conquered it." But we'll have to wait for two or three days before we really know. Because we don't want to take the bandages off all at once. We want to take one bandage off a day so that if there is light going through, it will not strike it quickly. And so the next day the bandage was off and the next and the next. Every morning that mother would come and sit by her side, the boy's side until the doctor came. And then it came that last morning. And that last morning... She was sitting there. The doctor came in with his nurse. And he visited with the little boy for a while. And then he said, Son, shall we take off that last bandage? And he took off that last bandage. And then he pulled the cotton from his eyes. And the doctor watched. Mother was standing at the foot of the bed. And the doctor began to smile. He noticed the little boy begin to blink. And he blinked more and more. And all of a sudden... Those eyes of that little boy focused in the vision, and he saw. The first thing he saw was his mother standing at the foot of the bed. And the first thing he said was, Oh, mother, you're just as beautiful as I thought you were. The mother began to weep. She ran around. She hugged the little kid. And as she hugged him, she said, Thank you, Lord. Turn to the surgeon. Thank you. For making my boy see. The doctor and that nurse stepped away. After a short time they came back in. And he said to the mother. We'll have to keep him here. We'll have to watch him for a few days. Then we'll let him go home. Day after day. That mother came. And she said by her boy. And they thanked the Lord. For opening his eyes. The day came. When he was to be released, and and the papers were all signed, and the little boy picked up his dirty little teddy bear. He didn't need to hold his mother's hand. He walked by himself down the hall of that hospital, down to the elevator, and down. Just as they came out of the elevator, coming through the doors of the hospital was this surgeon. The surgeon saw that little boy, and the boy saw the surgeon. And they stood there for just a moment. And then that little boy walked up to the surgeon, and he looked up. As the tears came from his eyes, and said, Sir, I don't know how to thank you for making me see. We don't have anything. But, Doc, I'll give you my teddy bear. The doctor took that dirty little teddy bear, which was his security, And if you go to the doctor's office, as you walk into his office, there is a little glass case. And in that little glass case is a little dirty teddy bear. An eye is missing. The side is broken. The sawdust is running out. But under that glass case was that little teddy bear. And there's a little glass note nailed inside And on that little brass plate, it says, the largest single fee ever received for professional services. Folks, that little boy gave everything you had. And I challenge you, my dear friends, this morning. We love the Lord. We've been walking with Him. And we say we're committed. Could I change the word? Are you surrendered? Are you willing or have you said, Lord, here I am. I may not be much, but I'll use the talent, the gifts that you've given me wherever you want me to use them. There were the cowards. There were the compromisers. But oh, for people that are committed, surrendered to Jesus Christ. And I challenge you this morning, as you run with the giant Gideon. Will you do as Gideon did? Surrender. Lord, what do you want me to do? Father, this morning, what can we say? But here we are. And I with others, Lord, once again I say, I surrender. What gifts you've given me, I'll use for you. What do you want me to do? Take my life, dear Father. Let it be surrendered unto Thee. And my dear friend, right where you're sitting, just for one moment, without any outward sign whatsoever, in the quietness of your heart, would you, if you'd done before, would you do it again? If you've never done it, would you say, Lord Jesus, here I am. I surrender. Have your way in my life. Our Father, you've heard the prayers. Take the lies. And help us to turn our world upside down for Jesus Christ. For that's our prayer. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.